Our scripture reading this morning will be from Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born to Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. with us today, back from D.C., and after a long night of anxiety with the Buckeyes, it was nice to have Jim Trestle lead us in prayer this morning. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> well, we are on week 17 of the book of Acts, and we have been breezing through this book, noticing the rapid rate at which the gospel has been spreading. Um, the mission of Christ has been going forward in a great way. Souls are being saved. Communities are being changed. And people are now knowing that Jesus was here, was crucified, went into a tomb, and three days later is now alive. That message is spreading across all of the world of Acts that we're reading about. And it's been quite exciting to see that this would happen. And our hope is that we wouldn't just study it to be in awe of what God has done, but to be energized to believe what God can do today. That with that very same message, yes, to people who think it's weak and foolish and silly and strange, there are those out there who once hearing the message that God loves us so much that he would incarnate, come to this world, live, die for our sins, and raise again to tell us that there's a new world coming, uh, most certainly can change people's lives. But one of the barriers to that belief that energy, so to speak, that God can go out into the world through us and still work is maybe you're like me. This is how I feel sometimes. I don't always feel like the characters in the book of Acts. You know, Peter, John, Paul, Philip, those guys, Silas, Barnabas, Mark. I don't, I don't feel like them a lot of times. I, I'm not a globetrotter going across the world to different cities and dropping into places and the moment, you know, uh, not having a job, just kind of floating around the world and teaching the Bible. And when you teach the Bible, people just become Christians right away. It's super exciting and awesome. Uh, I don't know if you're like me. I, I see most of you every week, so you're a lot like me in that you have jobs and family obligations and people and houses or maybe just one house. And, um, and week after week, maybe you're trying to teach the gospel to somebody or trying to be a witness of Jesus Christ, but 
the conversions don't happen at the kind of rapid rate that we're seeing in the book of Acts. Everybody agree with that? That, that, that We look a little bit uh, less like Paul, a little more domesticated version uh, of a person trying to spread the gospel. Well, this particular passage that Brad read for us is really important for us to see because Paul slows down and becomes like us. Paul holds a full-time job in this text, meaning he's going to work Monday to Friday. I don't know how they did it, but Monday to Friday, you know, 8 to 5, where he's putting in his hours of work to pay for a living so that he could survive, so that he could have money to live in Corinth. He isn't here just for a week and then off to the next city. Paul is here in Corinth for 18 months, it says, at least, a year and a half. And Paul runs into, at the very beginning, not much success in converting people. He's got a long way to go. And so I've entitled the lesson, Patience in the Mission, learning how not to give up in the mission of Christ, but also how to keep moving the right way. One of the important things we're going to learn from Paul today is when to know when to move on to the next person to keep trying to work. So Paul's going to teach us three things that's going to give us the lasting endurance or patience in mission. The first thing he's going to teach us is when to go. And what I mean by when to go is when we let go and move our attention to trying to help other people learn the gospel. If you're like me, maybe there's times that you've pounded your head against the wall with certain individuals trying to teach the gospel. And the question sometimes is, when do we let go and move on to another person to try to teach them? Paul's going to show us that. So he's showing us when to go. He shows us where to go. And then he shows us why we should stay. Let's do this and we'll be out of here. The first one is when to go. This is a tough question, right? There's a sense in which we would all agree that you never give up. As long as there's life, there's hope in somebody. And we have that belief, we have that assurance, uh, that confidence that as long as somebody is alive, there's hope that that person could come to Christ, could have faith to become a Christian. That would be a hope. And when you live on mission, you're going to hit roadblocks with people. And the question you've got to ask yourself is, what do I look for and how long do I wait before I maybe turn my attention to another person? It's kind of a tough thing, and Paul teaches us here by example how to do that. There are two things that are going to give you clarity on when it's the right time to turn your attention. Not to give up hope, but to turn your attention to another opportunity. Two things give you clarity. Number one, when you know what you have done. When you know what you have done. You see, Paul did three things when he goes into the synagogue and reasons with the Greeks and the Jews who are now worshiping God in the synagogue. He does three things in verses 4 and 5. He reasons with them. He persuades them, and he testifies to them. Those three things. Paul does not give up teaching the gospel before he does those three things. Reason means to logically speak, some, speak to someone to the point of a conclusion, meaning giving them the whole story, giving them beginning, middle, and end. Let's walk them through the entire message of the gospel. So Paul reasons with them thoroughly, about who Jesus is. The second thing Paul does is he persuades them. And this is a little bit different. You can, be, you can reason with people without being persuasive. You can just walk them through the whole entire picture of what the, the idea of Christianity is, but not necessarily persuade them. To persuade someone literally means to urge that person to have faith. 
to, to ask that person, to say, you ought to have faith. Here's why faith matters. And to persuade that person that faith is important. So you reason with them, persuaded with them, and Paul finally testified to them. To testify means that you witness to something being true. You witness to it. Now, you might say, well, I didn't see Jesus die. I didn't see Jesus go into a grave. I didn't see him raised from the dead. I might have a difficulty being an eyewitness to that. And I would say, yeah, we, we aren't eyewitnesses to that event. But we can be witnesses both historically and personally to this event. There's plenty of evidence I've given in the past, and I can certainly give to you at another time, to reasons why we believe that Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And there's, a, there's historical evidence to that, and Paul would certainly have told them that. But Paul would not have just testified to the truth historically that Jesus raised from the dead. Paul would have also testified to the reality of the difference that Jesus Christ has made in his life, how he's changed his life. And so you and I, we can know that it's time to move forward to another opportunity when we first of all know what we have done. Have we reasoned with people? Have we persuaded them? And have we witnessed to them the truth of Jesus Christ? Now that's the first thing. That's the first thing it takes to get clarity on when it's time to turn our attention somewhere else. The second thing is not just what we've done, but how they react. Now, you notice the Jews that Paul is reasoning and teaching and persuading react a certain way there in verse 6. It says they do two things. One is they oppose Paul. That means that they are actively engaging in battle against Paul. They are actively engaging in battle against what Paul is saying. So when Paul says, here is Jesus, he was, he was God in the flesh, he died, he rose again, they are actively saying things that, uh, that go against that. They're being engaging in a battle against Paul versus to what he said. So, so they oppose him, but the second thing they do is they revile him. They speak reproachfully about him. So when you know that you've done all that you can do in reasoning and persuading and testifying, and people are opposing and reviling you, Paul shows us in those moments, it's time then to remain in hope. As Paul would say in Romans chapter 10, I wish that my brethren, the Jews, would become Christians. It's good to remain in hope. But Paul turns his attention after doing these things to another group of people. The key takeaway is this. Paul, when being opposed, did not say, I will stop teaching the gospel. What he said was, I will go to another place. Opposition, rejection, defiance to the gospel is not the moment that we stop teaching the gospel. It's the moment we continue teaching the gospel somewhere else. And that's what Paul did here. So number one, when to go, Paul says, Paul teaches us when we've done all that we can do and they've reacted in a certain way, we turn our attention to continue to preach in other places. Now where to go? Number two, where to go? Where should we go? And what's interesting is when we think about where to go on mission, oftentimes we think about going to new places with new people to, to do something new and to meet new friends and to create new relationships to then present the gospel to someone that we've never met before. Well, Paul, staying on mission, stays in town with people that he knows. Who Paul converts is very telling for us when we learn about where we should go next in our mission. One of the persons 
lived next door to the synagogue where Paul was spending all of his free time. He lived right next door, and he was a God-fearer. The other one, Crispus, was the actual ruler of the synagogue. You see, both of these people are surrounding the synagogue where Paul spent all of his free time when he was not working. He was at the synagogue reasoning with these people, teaching these people. And there's one who's a neighbor of the synagogue and another who's a ruler of the synagogue, the administrator of it. These are guys that are there day in and day out watching Paul, listening to Paul, but probably not getting much of Paul's attention. That's key. Now, the other thing about these guys is the Bible says they're God-fearers or God-worshippers, meaning that these were Gentile converts who were serious about their faith. And here's what we probably know about them. These Gentiles that took great social risk to convert to Judaism were probably not coming to the synagogue to get in some theological or doctrinal debate that they believed had really no um, impact on their life. They just liked to argue about the Bible, basically. A lot of the Jews were that way. They showed up at the synagogue and they loved to just fight and debate and argue and engage about the Bible and then just go home. Because they were Jews. They were saved. They were God's people. They were at circumcision, part of the covenant, no sweat. And so their Bible dialogue had little consequence. And here's the point. The reason I tell you this. Often, often, the loudest people talking about matters of faith and religion are seeking an audience and not a guide. These Jews wanted Paul as an audience, not a teacher, not a guide. And sometimes these are the ones that grab most of our attention because they're screaming about matters of faith, they're talking about matters of religion, they're engaged in matters of belief, and, and they're talking loudly about it. They've got their mind made up and they want to engage in debate and battle. You know what I'm talking about? The people that are the loudest oftentimes about matters of religion are usually seeking an audience from you, not necessarily guidance on how to become closer to Christ. So these Jews that Paul was fighting with from the very beginning had their minds made up already. That's why they opposed him and reviled him. And they are the ones that grab our attention so often. But then Paul finds these other two guys who are not so obvious. They're quiet and humble. The Bible says they're God-fearing. They're unnoticed. These guys are quiet and ready to learn. So here's the point, the takeaway of where to go. Where to go does not mean you have to go to a new town, a new city, new state, new country. Nor does it mean you have to go to new people. Where to go, Paul shows us that we actually just need to have eyes that are open for seekers who are not seeking attention, but seeking Christ. And a lot of times those people are quiet, humble, in the background, and don't grab our attention very much. And we need to be prayerful and have our eyes open for those people that might not be the loudest and the most popular, the most well-known, but the humble ones seeking Christ. We need to be prayerful about that. So when to go, when we know what we've done and people have reacted in a way that opposes and reviles the scripture, we turn our attention to other places. Where do we go? Not always to the loudest, but to the ones who are really seeking. And you can, you can tell quickly when people are seeking because they have questions, not just answers. And they take a seat, they don't take a stage. Are you following with me? So Paul, that's what Paul does where to go. Now the last one is this. 
Why do we stay? Why should we have patience? Why have endurance in this mission? Two reasons. Number one, you're going to like this reason. This is like a parent reason. I like, I like when I get a chance to do this. Because God said so. <laughs> That's my favorite. I love doing that. I love doing it with my kids, man. It's like, ugh, it drives them crazy. You know, you hit that point where like, God said so, all right? Number one, why do you stay with this? Why do you stick in this? Because God said so. And you know this, those of you that have been parents. When parents say, because I said so, there are reasons to do it. But the reasons are bigger than the mind of the child to fully understand all the reasons why. Parents, would you agree? When parents just finally say, listen, because I said so, do it. The, the parent usually has reasons that are bigger than the scope of the thinking of the child. So when Paul says to you, or God says to you, stick with it. Stay in there. Keep sharing the gospel. Keep reasoning, persuading, and testifying. And when people oppose and revile, turn your attention to other people in your life in a familiar place that are familiar people and keep sharing. Why? God said so. Look in verse 9. God shows up to Paul in a vision and he says this. Do not be afraid. Number one, God said so. Don't be afraid. There is no need to retreat when you're reviled and opposed. There's no need to escape. There's no need to hide when people reject Christianity. Turn your attention somewhere else. What you have to say when you're given the right opportunity is worth something. Even if you think you don't know that much about Jesus and Christianity, even if you don't feel like you're that sophisticated in explaining it, what you know about Jesus, when given the right opportunity, matters. Don't be afraid. Have no fear. Fear is Satan's manipulation of your emotions to think that you can't make a difference or that you'll be ostracized, you'll be left out. Have no fear. Even if it's not received, have no fear. And then the second thing he says, have no fear in verse 9. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you. The energy, the strength, the ability to overcome your fear to speak is found in this belief that God is with you. You are not alone. Even when, you are, even when no one is with you, you're not alone. You are not alone. So the first reason is God said so. That's why you stay. The second reason is there are some people out there that are ready to be God's people. God's people are waiting for you. Notice in verse 10 at the end of it, he says, I have many people in this city who are my people. Not yet converted. Not yet brought to faith. And God says to Paul, you've got to stick with it. You can't give up. You can't quit sharing Christianity, even though these people oppose you and revile you, even though that they've discredited you. Don't stop. Why? Because God has people that are waiting. Do you believe that? Have you given up all hope for Christianity in America? Or do you believe this? Do you believe that there are people right now that may have already heard about Christianity, most likely they have, may even actually have experience growing up in a church, but have grown not unchurched, but de-churched, frustrated with church, hurt by church. Those people abound around you, 
And we need shepherd-hearted people, loving people to go out there and share that that's not Jesus who hurt you in church. That's not Jesus. But Jesus loves you and wants you to be part of his family. Come find a good family. Do you believe that? Are you excited about it? It was Jesus himself who showed us that standing without fear in the face of opposition brings about good results. Remember that story? It was Jesus who showed us that even though you're completely abandoned by those that are closest to you on this earth, you will never be left alone by your Father. Jesus showed us that. In those situations, fearless in the face of opposition, alone but never alone, turned out to be the best opportunity for us. He hung in there, did everything he needed to do because he knew there would be souls who were not yet home that needed to come home. His patience and mission teaches us that we need to have patience and mission. There are souls waiting to come home once they truly find out who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and why that actually matters. Can you share that with them? Do you know it? I'm convinced of this. Once you know the answer to those three really simple questions, who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and why that matters, it will drastically change your life and it will give you all the energy you'll ever need to share that with someone else because your life will be so much better. So here's how you obey and we're all done. Two things to do to obey this lesson. Number one, become proficient, good at, practice, reasoning, persuading, and testifying about Jesus Christ. I encourage you to practice this with some people that you share faith with. Practice this. Talk about this stuff. Persuade, reason, persuade, and testify about Jesus. God is counting on us to do that. Number two, here's something you can actually do right now to obey. Identify one person in your life who might be open to hearing about Jesus Christ. They might not be the loudest person or even the most religious at your work or your community. You know, there's always that person. They might not be that person. But just step back and look at somebody who may be having a difficult time in life. Maybe some health issues, some financial issues. Maybe work isn't going well or relationships are falling apart. Or maybe they're just quiet and humble and they listen. Get someone's name in your mind right now and begin praying for them every day for an opportunity to share Jesus. And wait for that opportunity to come. But start praying for them every day. And when you know who Jesus is and what he did and why that matters, and you know who those people are in your life, that you're praying for, that you might be able to bring them to Christ. And Jesus begins to change you. He's going to give you the opportunity to share that with others. And I want you to share that with as many people in your life as you can. And most certainly right now, we want to share Jesus with anyone who might need him. Let's, uh, if you have need, you can come as we stand and sing.